This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. All right, I'll be reading 2 Corinthians 10 in the NIV, starting in verse 1. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for the building, for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For some say, his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realize that what we are in our letters when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Man, awesome. Pastor Mark asked me to preach. Man, what an honor, what a privilege that he would see something in me. But... God, I'm not as spiritual as him. I'm not as smart as him. I don't have 15 degrees like him. Um, I sweat a lot. Um, uh, I'm not as good looking as him. Uh, but come on, Ryan, we got to get going. I mean, have, has, it, has anyone else had the battle in your mind of, of well, gosh, I can do it. Thank God people believe in me, but nah, I can't. Today I want to talk to you about this thought of being mindful of our thoughts, all right? Being mindful of our thoughts, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I've been talking a lot about this, like kind of when I sit down with young men and they're talking, to, they're talking to me about the things that are running around in their head and they're letting these lies run around in their head and so as I was praying, God, what do you want? I just, I felt this come to my spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to start in verse three. And Lucy, thank you for reading it. He, he, he talks about in verse three, for though we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
This word stronghold is probably not a word that we would use every single day. This is a, a military term, this word stronghold. It is, is kind of the inner sanctum of a military base, maybe where the, 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 uh, the, the highest leaders of, um, of a military would be held up and the walls are reinforced by going 20 feet down and very thick and high and um, virtually in, impenetrable. That, that it is the stronghold, or they may put prisoners of war inside the stronghold. And I don't know about you, but uh, after 31 years of living, that, and, and I know that many of you have lived much longer lives and have much more experience than I do, but I could imagine that after 31 years, that I, 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 where some of you might be, it could be much stronger that the stronghold of, of a mind, the stronghold of a thought, that it would keep me captive to not even believing in myself, not even believing that I'm worthy to even step onto the stage, to, the, the, the stronghold to believe that an addiction that, that plagues my life I may never get set free of, the stronghold that I'm not very victorious, that I'm more of a victim, that somebody owes me something, the stronghold and the thought that, that, um, that no one can know the deepest, darkest secrets that Ryan holds because if they really, 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 really knew the real Ryan, that they would reject me, cast me out, kick me to the curb, and then curb stop me on their way down the road if they really knew the strongholds that keep me bound up in my mind, in my thoughts. Is anyone else, anyone else there with me? The strongholds of our minds. And I just want to encourage you today that we're going to do a, uh, a to be mindful of our thoughts, to think about our thoughts, to do, uh, I heard somebody recently say, call it a, a thought audit, to do uh, an audit on what we have been thinking about. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So, in other words, this word heart, when, when we see it throughout the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, is a reference to, is a reference to the way somebody thinks. This word heart is, is, is connected to the mind. It's connected to the inner thoughts of a, of a man, of a person. And so, for as he thinks in his heart, in other words, as he thinks in his mind, and as he thinks in his thoughts, as he thinks in his innermost being, so is he. So, what this is telling me is that whatever I think, I become. Whatever I think, then somewhere along the way that the thought becomes becomes birthed into an action and then the action becomes birthed into who Ryan is this is why it's so important to be mindful of our thoughts proverbs 4:23 expounds on it says guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life Guard your heart above all else. In other words, your heart, again, this is the same word that we see in the previous proverb, that, that my heart is my thoughts. I have to, be, I have to guard my thoughts against um, everything else, above all else, which is interesting to me. That, that is, you know, what, we, what humans think, right, that I have to guard my family, I have to guard my bank account. I have to guard my future. I have to guard my career. I have to guard, right? 
I have to guard um, what people really think about me. I have to guard my, right? And, and, and this is saying that I have, to, I have to guard my heart. I have to guard my thoughts above all else. So I want to first, before we talk about how do we do that, I first want to get into some thoughts that will kill you. I want to I suggest that if we're not mindful of our thoughts, that our thoughts will become born, like we see here in Proverbs 23, 7, that when a thought becomes full born, it becomes an action. And if an action isn't godly, that if we don't kill the thought, then the thought will come back to kill us. And we see that in the book of James. It says in the book of James that when, uh, when sin is born and when it's fully born, it, it leads to death, right? So I want to suggest that that death starts in the mind, starts in your thought process, thought, starts in thought patterns and in, in, in our innermost being. And so I want to just point out, this is not all of them. These are just the ones that kind of just came to my mind as I was thinking and preparing and praying about you. And personally, um, just thinking about myself, six thoughts that you have to kill before they kill you. All right. So the first one is that Nobody will know. Nobody will ever know. <laughs> Psalm 94, 11. It says, the Lord knows people's thoughts. He knows that they are worthless. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and then I love what Jesus does in Mark 2. I'll set up the story. In Mark chapter 2, it's, you know the story. Well, it's where the four friends bring the paralytic man, and there's no room in the house, so they drop him in through the ceiling. And, but inside the house are a bunch of people, and among the bunch of people are these Pharisees, these religious leaders. And then it says in verse 8, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. <laughs> and to me, that always cracks me up because they were thinking like, how could this dude heal, heal this man? He did nothing. He, he's not even saved. He doesn't even serve God. And they never said it, but they thought it. And says so he knows what they were thinking immediately. <laughs> Why do you question this in your hearts? <laughs> God knows what's in our heart. I always think it's so interesting that Jesus said that if you were even to lust after a woman, in other words, if you were even to think about committing adultery with her, you already did it, that the, the thought that I could keep my, my thoughts private and to myself and let them run rampant and that I could create my own stronghold. I could create my own fortress for my thoughts and keep them to myself and, 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 and live a good Christian life on the outside. Live a, live, live a life by checking the attendance of coming to church. Live, the, live a, by carrying my Bible around, by tithing real good so that when the pastor checks the tithe record, he'll know that I showed up and he knows that I'm committed. Uh, uh, the good Christian thought of I'm going to serve in church. The good Christian thought of, of on the outside of the cup, I'm going to be really sp uh, sparkling clean. But on the inside of the cup, my thoughts are running rampant. And if they were to compare to Jesus it would not match up. Nobody's going to know. The second thought that you have to kill is negative thinking. Are you critical all the time? 
well, I could have wore a better shirt than Ryan did. <laughs> mm, he, he ain't, <laughs> right? Uh, mm, I wouldn't have picked that color for the walls. Mm. Why they got to put that little piano thing like that? Mm. She's going to wear that necklace with those earrings. Right? The negative critical thinking. James 4.11 says, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. Somebody that I hang out with often, often reminds this group of guys that he disciples and he says, he always reminds them at the end of every, every session and he says, do your job. Because so often when you're in a critical negative mindset, it is so easy to look at somebody else's job in their lane and say, mm-mm. I could do it better. I could do it more efficiently. I can do it for a lower cost, and I could influence more people. I can, I can do it better. But here is James reminding us once again that the only job that you're responsible is for yours, is to do your job. And instead of negatively criticizing everybody else for doing a negative job or a bad job or not a good enough job, he's, he's reminding us that that's not your job. God didn't call you to do that. God didn't call you to run the kids' ministry. He called Miss Jennifer and the people that serve over there. He called you to do something. He called you for a purpose and for a reason. And I think that if we can come back and remember that it's not really my job to criticize everybody else. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. Thankfulness. To me, that's the, that's the opposite of criticizing. That's the opposite of being negative. That's the opposite of uh, looking at everyone else. Because instead of looking at everyone else, if I could turn and say that I'm thankful, man, I realize how much I truly, truly have. Instead of criticizing, well, Pastor Mark, I could have preached that better than you. Man, thank God for a Pastor Mark that would be willing to pour into me. Instead of criticizing and saying, man, I could, I could do that job better than that. Man, thank God he's given me a job to do. Instead of criticizing and saying, thank God he's given me my health. Thank God that he's given me a sound mind. Thank God that I have clothes in my back and breath in my lungs. Thank God that he's given me a car to get here and a roof over my head. Thank God. And when was the last time that you thank God in all circumstances for the little things? When, Maybe we're being critical and judgmental and, and criticizing everything because we forgot that we were supposed to thank God. For, when was the last time you thanked God for your health? Last time you thanked God for the roof over your head, for the electricity that you have? When was the last time that you thanked God for the immeasurable blessings that are in your life? Thank God. For this is God's will for you that for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That, but also realizing this too, that the negative thinking of, man, God's never going to do it for me. That I know some of you are sitting in this room 
and that you need God to do a miracle. And I've heard some of you say, well, he can do it, but it's just not, it's not going to really line up. Like God's not going to fully restore my family. No, 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 no. You belong to Christ Jesus. So in all circumstances, while you're being thankful, the same God that's calling you to be thankful is the same God. If he could do it for somebody else, he can do it for you too. The negative thought of, well, he's just not going to do it for me. The negative thought of, because I'm not good enough, I'm not righteous enough, I'm not whatever the lie that is going around in your head. No, 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 no. Thank God he could do it for me. Thank God he sent his son Jesus to die for me. Just the same as he sent Jesus to die for the person sitting next to you. Thank God he can do it for me. Thank God. Why? Because you belong to Christ Jesus. And if you're sitting there thinking that God can't heal my family, if you're sitting there thinking God can't heal my body, if you're sitting there, God will never get me out of this depression, if you're sitting there thinking God will never get me out of this debt, whatever, God won't get me out of whatever situation, whatever circumstance you're in, then my question to you is do you really belong to Christ Jesus or do you belong to yourself? Because if you belong to Christ Jesus, in all circumstances, your thankfulness, in other words, thankfulness. What is thankfulness? Worship. Your worship will get you out of whatever you're thinking God can't get you out of because you're not good enough. You're not righteous enough. You're not churchy enough. You're not whatever enough. No, 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 no. <laughs> you belong to Christ Jesus. And how do you belong to Christ Jesus? Through his sacrifice. By confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that he rose from the dead on the third day. You have to kill negative thinking. You have to kill the lie that nobody's ever going to know. And you have to kill the thought of fear or worry. Come on, this is plaguing our culture today. Live in perpetual fear. Live in perpetual fear I'm just going to read it. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I love it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and self-control. So the very fact that fear, worry, anxiety doesn't even come from God should tell you it's something that shouldn't even be uh, uh, something that I'm even playing with. Something that I'm even inter giving entertainment to. Not even for a second. But when fear comes into my mind, I should be reminded that instead, God did give me power, love, and self-control or self-discipline in this translation. The fourth thought that we have to kill is the thought that I'm a victim. The thought of Somebody hurt me, and now they owe me something. Maybe I know that they can't owe me anything because they're just full, but the world owes me something. That, that my dad left me, and he didn't really care for me, and so now everybody owes me a favor because my father left me. Man, I got really, really sick, or I am really sick, and now the world owes me pity a big pity party. No, 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 no. The, the thought that we have to kill is that you're a victim. That you are not a victim. 
that if you are in Christ Jesus, and we see this here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 57. But thank God, all right, there it is again. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you have victory that's been given to you through Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. No, despite all these things, overwhelming what? Is ours through Christ who loved us. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. But thank God he's given us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. He now uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Christ's triumphal procession. That if you believe in Jesus and you put your faith in him, through him, you are victorious. The thought that runs around in, my, in our minds that I'm not, and like I was saying before that, well, God, he could do it for somebody else. And I read about it in the Bible that how he healed so-and-so and did all these miracles. Yeah, but not for me. Because I'm, I'm over here just limping around, <laughs> a beat up, tattered Christian. And the only way anyone knows that I'm a Christian is if they were to follow me to church on Sunday. No, you are victorious. You are called to live like somebody that is victorious. You are called to even your very presence in your nature. is is called to walk around on this earth with your head up high and your chest out and to walk with boldness and confidence like somebody that is victorious, walking along Christ in a triumphal procession, not walking around defeated and dumped on. Yeah, is it hard to live as a believer in this world? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I tell students all the time. I, I don't envy being a student in 2021 in middle school and high school. <laughs> all kinds of things come against them. But even while all kinds of darkness comes against a middle school or a high school student in 2021, they are victorious if they belong to Christ Jesus. They're victorious over the addiction. They're victorious over the temptation. They're victorious over the the peer pressure. They're victorious. And the same goes for you, that you are victorious over every single thing that comes against you. You have to start living, stop living in victimhood. So the, I know there's more, more thoughts that run around in our mind, but these are, as I was praying, these are the, the, the six thoughts, four thoughts that came into my mind as I was praying about this, that you have to kill the thought that nobody will know, negative or judgmental thinking, fear, worry, and victimhood. So the question is then, how do I kill such a thought? How do I, a thought that, 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 that's in my mind, it's not even tangible, it's not even something that I could grab onto. How do I kill a thought? Uh, that was a question that I asked to some of the fellows that were hanging out with me yesterday. How do I kill a thought? Or what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, how do I take a thought captive? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, going back to that in verse 5, he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. 
So how do I take the thought captive? The first part is, to me, simple, and but probably takes the most amount of work and the most amount of time. And it, is, it says to make it obedient to Christ. And uh, Christ is the word of God, right? And so the first way that you have to take your thoughts and make them captive is first you have to know, well, what thoughts belong and what thoughts don't belong. What belongs in my mind and what doesn't belong in my mind. And, and the only way to know that is to get to know this thing, right? Is that I have to keep this stored up in my heart. I have to begin to learn it and study it and read it. And, 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 and that's the only way that it becomes obedient to Christ, the word, is getting to know the word of God. The second way that you take a, a thought captive is, um, you know, this idea of, and, and this is what I explained uh, to our students a few weeks ago, but this thought of, I am... I have a thought, and I know it's not godly, and gosh, I just really want to get rid of it. I really want to come to God and repent, and so I do. I come to God, I repent, and I ask God to forgive me, and I really feel like God forgave me, and man, praise God, I'm set free, but now I'm back here. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm still judgmental. I'm still criticizing. I'm still very negative in my thinking, God, I know that's not what you want for me. And so now I'm here, I'm repenting. God, please forgive me. Please change my mind. Please renew me. Uh, please forgive me. And now I'm back here and I'm right back to the same place of having lustful thoughts and thinking and looking and doing things that I shouldn't be doing. And now God, please forgive me, renew my mind. And this, the, have you ever been in that, in that cycle before of, of, God, I know I'm not supposed to be here, and so I repent, and now it's this cycle of back and forth, back and forth, not living godly, living godly, not living godly, living godly. And, and, and I believe that when you do come repent, that, that there is a true forgiveness and true repentance and true, a true cleansing, but we have to go right back into the world, and we have to live our lives. And, but how do I ever get set free from that, this back and forth? Because I've been reading the word. I've been renewing my mind. I've been... because. I've obviously been reading the word because I know it doesn't match up to what God wants for me, but still I'm not being set free. And so I think that there's a second part that we have to do. And we see that in James 5, verse 16. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, I don't think it's going to come up on the screens, but James chapter 5, verse 16 says that, oh, thanks, Shady. says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So I think that when you have this cycle of back and forth and not being able to be set free, or, or, maybe, or maybe it's just you're just here and you're just stuck in a thought pattern. You're just stuck in your mind. You're just, you, you, you get really uh, like concrete <laughs> in your thoughts. I think one of the most powerful ways that you can be set free is to find somebody in your life. And I think we see the kind of person in the second part of the verse is, is a righteous person. Somebody that, 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 that um, is in right standing with God. Somebody that you can trust. Someone that is a little older and a little wiser than you. Someone that may have already walked where you've walked. But to confess your sins, one 
to another. And that that person, that you can trust them enough that they aren't themselves going to criticize and judge you and be negative and speak death over you. But instead, pray for you so that you'll be healed. And I think that when you can do this, that it would it, it brings a, a, a supernatural freedom versus just keeping this thought in the stronghold of my mind that, that I'm just going to keep it to myself. I'm just going to I'm just going to rely on me and the word and no one can hold me accountable. No one can no one can challenge me. No one can pray for me. No one can no one can pray so that I'll be healed. I'm just going to just me and this word are just going to do it. I don't think that's what God called us to do. I think he called us to link arms with other people, link arms with our spouse, link arms with the church, link arms with the body of Christ so that we can be healed. And I think it's because that when I can bring somebody else into my situation, not only does it keep me accountable and helps me move forward, but when I can bring somebody into my muck and mire, into, if I can bring somebody into my darkness, that when I, move, when I move from my darkness into light, when I move from my sickness into healing, in a weird way, God gets more glory because it's not just me that knows. It's when I bring David along with me and I say, David... Um, I'm really struggling here, and now he's, he watches me move into light. It's not just me saying, well, hey, look, I was in darkness and light. No, I have somebody, I have a witness that can testify, uh, yeah, that brother, he was pretty messed up, but look at what God did, <laughs> right? Or, and if I move from healing back into sickness, David would be like, mm-mm, I know you were there, so let's go. Come back over here, right? I think that's why it's important to bring other people along, that it breaks this cycle of going back and forth. It breaks the cycle and the lie that nobody's going to know. It breaks the cycle of, of, of these, these thoughts that I think that I can keep inside of my mind. Take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. So how do I do that? I compare it to the word of God. And I bring somebody else into my cycle. I bring somebody else into my stronghold with me. And, uh, and then I bring the Holy Spirit in because he says this. He says, he says we demolish arguments and every pre pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And then we take captive of every thought of Christ. And we'll be ready to punish every act of a disobedience uh, I'm sorry, verse 4. <clears throat> the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. The divine power of God, that is the Holy Spirit that he's given you. The Holy Spirit that, that, he, would, that he would give to, to set you free. Uh, I like what Pastor Mark said. that uh, He says, you know, when, when young men have a problem and an addiction to pornography, his answer isn't like, just stop looking at porn, right? Or just stop struggling or get better or get to church more. Uh, what he told me was, he's like, well, somewhere in their life, their, their heart has gone cold to the Holy Spirit, which I thought was so interesting that, that instead of do better, stop, get to church more, pray more, read your Bible more, um, work, 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 work. He, he, he simply just attested it to that, Somewhere in that young man's life, their heart has just gone cold to, to the Holy Spirit. 
which is interesting because when, when you turn your heart back to the Holy Spirit, instead of I have to read my Bible more, I want to read my Bible more. Instead of I have to pray more, I want to pray more. Instead of I have to get to church more, I want to get to church because it's the Holy Spirit. And so instead of I have to do more, 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 more and keep my sin and more and more secret and in a better stronghold that no one's going to know about. No, instead I just turn my heart back to the Holy Spirit. I ask the Holy Spirit to come and break my heart of stone and turn it to a heart of flesh. So I think those are the ways that you kill the lies of the Holy Spirit. I mean, excuse me, kill. <laughs> kill the lies and the thoughts that are going along in your head that aren't of God. And instead of believing them as truth, that because your thoughts, you become your thoughts. And I think that if we're going to be a strong body of believers, if we're going to be a strong uh, a, a parent, a strong mom and dad, a strong disciple maker, strong people that are going to own our 50 feet, I believe that it starts in the heart. In other words, it starts in what you think about yourself. It starts in what you think about other people. It starts in what, how you think and perceive the things of God. And I think that if we can be mindful of our thoughts and do a thought audit, that we will become powerful influencers of our community, powerful influencers and world changers of our households and our families. I'll end with this. Cameron, if you wouldn't mind coming up and playing, we're going to take communion. Romans 12, 2. You know it well. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, when you take a thought captive and you compare it to the word of God, the will of God, your mind becomes renewed. And when you take the will of God and you Use it to captivate a thought, to capture a thought, to ensnare a thought. Your mind becomes renewed, and in a weird way, you'll be able to test and approve that that will is good and pleasing. So instead of just continuing with the pattern of this world, the pattern of I'm a victim, everybody owes me something, I, 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 I'm not worthy for God to come and do a miracle in my life. I know he can do it in other people's lives. I believe that. But in my life, uh, it's probably not going to happen. No, that's the pattern of the world. That's conforming to the pattern of, uh, of an unbeliever. So instead of being fearful and in perpetual constant worry about dying, perpetual and constant worry of being sick, perpetual and constant worry of, of failing, fear of going bankrupt, fear of not being able to succeed, fear that your kids aren't going to serve God, fear of fear of whatever you can fill in the blank. Instead of living in fear, the pattern of the world. No, I'll be transformed when my mind is renewed. How's my mind renewed? The word of God. How is my mind renewed? Bringing other believers into my, into my stronghold. How is my mind renewed? Inviting the Holy Spirit to demolish the strongholds in my life.
that I'll be transformed by the renewing of my mind, then I'll be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.